Mr. Matthew uh, Hickam. Matthew, lean up close to that microphone and uh, say hello. Hello, everybody. Thanks, Will, for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, and I want to get to know you uh, and you know your background, but I think it's important in this particular case, I know you have to do a lot of this, but we have to do it here also, to lay out first and foremost, what is the regional superintendent of schools, and what area does this particular region that you're running for uh, encompass? Sure. Well, let's start with the uh, the area. So geographically, this region covers Perry County and then kind of a straight line south, Jackson County, Union County, Pulaski, and Alexander counties. Okay. So is it parts of any counties or is it is it full counties? Full counties, yeah. And that's uh, pretty much consistent, especially in the, in the middle and the southern part of the state. It follows county boundary lines. Okay. And you're running as a Republican? Correct. Republican candidate for regional superintendent, yes. And did you have an opponent in the primary? No opponent in the primary. Beat the air in the primary. Well, that's always good. If you can't beat that, then you're, <laughs> you're going to have trouble. Absolutely. But, but you were able to, to do that, and so now you look forward to the general election. So yeah. uh, tell us about yourself and why you are uh, qualified to be the next uh, regional superintendent of schools. Sure. Uh, so I've been in public education for, uh, I believe this is my 25th year. Um, I'm from Murfreesboro originally, was fortunate enough to go back to uh, my alma mater, my first job at Murfreesboro High School as a paraprofessional. Um, owe a lot to uh, Karen Lavender, kind of getting my foot in the door there uh, in Murphy. And then worked my way uh, in as a special education teacher. And uh, then what I went to college to do was to be a high school social studies teacher. So when I graduated from SIU, there were a whole bunch of us. Uh, there was a surplus. Uh, and now we're on the opposite end of that spectrum. Uh, but to get my foot in the door, was paraprofessional. And then it was, uh, hey, we need a special education teacher. I went back to school, got what I needed. That's how I became a, a teacher first. And then eventually that became a full-time social studies position. So I was in the classroom as a teacher for 10 years. And then um, I worked my master's degree in administration and moved up to assistant principal at Murfreesboro High School, did that for a year. And then uh, went over to Galatia uh, in Saline County and served as principal of the junior senior high school over there. Uh, two good years there, um, really good people, uh, very supportive of their school. Then I had the opportunity to come back a little closer to home to Perry County uh, and became the principal at DuCoin High School, did that for seven years. And um, there, as I was wrapping up my tenure, basically, the superintendent at the time, Gary Kelly, retired, and I was able to uh, ascend the super, to the superintendency in DuCoin. This is my fourth year in that position. So you are currently the superintendent of the DuCoin schools and now pursuing the regional superintendent uh, job. I was reading an article online. Are you going to be stepping away from the superintendent's job, regardless of whether you win this election or not? That is correct, yes. Um, you know, I, I was uh, fortunate to be given a three-year contract coming out of the gate uh, as a superintendent at DuCoin uh, and just asked the board for a one-year contract um, last year. So, yeah, this, this opportunity to run as regional superintendent really came after my decision that I'm going to find something else to do, and that's, that was a family decision. 
Sure. Uh, just looking to get back closer to home to, to Murfreesboro where I grew up and been able to get some property that's right next to my folks and um, uh, just be closer to home there. I kind of uh, would say I'm not a gambling man, but when it comes to, to parents and, and uh, in-laws, uh, I won the lottery. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> my wife Stacy and I are looking forward to getting back closer to home to be around family more. And the regional uh, offices in Murfreesboro. That is the home base. Uh, there is uh, an annex in Pinckneyville and also in Anna, but Murfreesboro is the home base for the office. Yes. So uh, tell me, what is it that the regional superintendent does? What are the responsibilities as you see them of that office? Well, there's a number of services that uh, the regional office provides, and it is pretty varied. It's one of those positions, you know, in an ideal world, uh, it would be nice if we didn't have to have maybe a regional office, if we'd just do things on a more local local basis, but we have a myriad of uh, laws that pertain to public schools, and this layer really is necessary. So things that the regional office provides are services related to truancy, uh, truancy prevention. Usually that involves some alternative education opportunities. So if there are students that are either dealing with uh, serious disciplinary action or possible truancy issues, there's some alternative ways for those students to get an education besides the traditional school setting. Um, professional development is provided for uh, administrators, teachers through the Regional Office of Education. Uh, they provide training for uh, new bus drivers. Uh, substitute teachers are coordinated through regional offices as well. Um, and really a big part of what administrators, I guess, kind of deal with is the compliance side of the regional office. So the regional office is serving as a more local um, service that ensures compliance with state mandates. Mm -hmm. So they help sort through some of the bureaucracy to some extent for the individual schools and then help provide training to keep everybody up to date with the various laws that are being passed that are mandated on the school districts by the general assembly yeah well said um you know i think and teachers when you're dealing with licensure you know teachers have a certain number of professional development hours they have to get you know the regional office serves as a liaison there they can help uh, answer questions there and they also help oversee that process too uh, so th there's a lot to the office. Matt Hickam is in the studio with us today. He's running for regional superintendent of schools. Does this particular district have a number? Yes, this is uh, ROE 30. Okay, yes. Regional Office of Education 30. Yes. Um, here is what's on people's minds when it comes to education. And 20 years ago, we weren't quite as divided culturally but it seems like every aspect of our lives now, there are battle lines drawn. And people are asking about, you know, what is being taught in my local public school when it comes to race theory. They're asking what is being taught in my local public school regarding sex and gender. This is on your mind. You know exactly what people are telling you when you're knocking on doors. So... What's Mac, Matt Hickam's perspective on those issues? Well, my overall perspective would be one that, yeah, th these are things that, that do need to be uh, discussed and dealt with at a local level. Um, you know, we have a, a system in place with boards of education that are elected from their communities, and, you know, they're 
that's kind of where the buck should stop when it comes to a lot of these things and should be discussed at that level. Um, the boards are over their superintendents. Superintendents are in turn over principals and, and then in turn over teachers, et cetera. That, that's really where the rubber meets the road. Uh, you know, education, you know, as a former social studies teacher myself, you know, ultimately when I go into a classroom and close my door and teach about the Constitution, it's me and the students. Uh, if I'm going off base, how is that being found out? That's going to be the kids probably talking to their parents, and then the parents are going to, if they've got a concern, they're going to call and talk to the principal. That's the best place for that conversation to happen. Uh, we do have mandates at the state level that have to do with certain topics that are supposed to be taught uh, in, in classrooms. Uh, the ROE is that level that does oversee, you know, hey, where is this happening? That's how it's basically put upon a local district is where are you teaching this given topic? Mm -hmm. um, uh, let, let's say here recently we had a more specific law passed about teaching uh, Asian American history and their contributions. Uh, well, you, you can look up the school code. There's a whole list of about every ethnicity you could imagine that's in there that are supposed to be taught, whether it's Lithuanian American, Bohemian American, you name it, it's already there. Mm -hmm. Are teachers specifically focusing for a week or even a day on any of those? I doubt it. You can't. Um, but are you excluding some group uh, when you're teaching American history? Well, we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be excluding anybody. Um so, it, again, it comes down to what, what is happening in that individual classroom. And, you know, at the state level, they often think they're going to solve a problem by passing a law. You know, someone somewhere in Springfield thinks, this ought, to, this ought to be happening. It's not happening where I live, therefore I don't think it's happening anywhere else. Uh, where, in fact, we have a lot of good teachers that are doing their jobs and they're doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, they're doing the right way. It's probably pretty similar to what we experience going through school ourselves. Not much has probably changed there. Uh, I didn't have teachers that were leaving out particular groups of people uh, when we were going through. So um, my general stance on whether we're, uh, I've kind of gotten off on the tangent, is talking more about maybe history or like critical race theory, for example. That's not part of K-12 curriculum. That's not uh, a learning standard in Illinois. Uh, it's come to the forefront because of uh, things at the national level. Um, and you know, it's not an inappropriate discussion to have, but it really isn't part of something that should be taught right now in any K-12 environment. It's not there. Well, I can tell uh, you what really frustrates me is that I don't know what the numbers are across the Southern Illinois school districts. I see what they are in Chicago because those get more uh, publicity. But you have test scores on basic things that are not appropriate. You know, you have kids in the fourth grade, 80% of them, according to standardized tests in some districts, can't read at a fourth grade level. But yet you have a general assembly that thinks that they're, you know, a 208-member uh, uh, school board that we ought to be teaching all of these other uh, progressive ideas whenever we can't, seem to spend the time and money to get the basic things down that kids are supposed to be able to be proficient in. Yeah, I would, I would completely agree. I think, um, I mean, that, that is the, one of the most frustrating things when we have every year a number of laws passed 
that are often, they're all well-intentioned, you know, so I don't want to give a misrepresentation. I think they're all well-intentioned. Somebody had a, a good idea, but it doesn't mean it needs to be a law. Right. And it does take focus away from from just the basic things that we ought to be focusing on. But again, I think in in the the daily grind, let's say, of a, of a school year and a school day, uh, I think a lot of teachers, that's what they're focusing on. Uh, when you talk about grade school teachers, uh, as a group, they're the best at knowing what they need to focus on with reading, writing, right. math, getting the basics uh, uh, put into place there. Um, but I, I do think when we talk about standards, yeah, sometimes when we when we get up to the highest level, the standards usually are coming from the national level, and then they trickle their way down. Uh, that's where we can get off track. Um, I think our, our local legislators um, that we have, we're fortunate uh, that they have a good understanding that the last thing we need are more education-related laws. Um, unfortunately, they're in the minority in Springfield. Right. You know, because we're, we're talking about, if you can imagine... The Illinois School Code, the section of the law that just deals with uh, the governance of uh, public schools, uh, three by five index card, that three inch side is how thick the school code is. And you're talking about eight point font. You know? Wow. And uh, that's right now in 2022. If we go back to the year 2000, it's half that size. So just in that period of time, we've passed that many more laws and we've not done away with any either. Well, I remember there was a state representative named Jack Franks in 2007 who introduced a piece of legislation that said for every law that was adopted by the General Assembly, they would have to repeal two. Uh, that didn't um, pass, but um, I think it is worth mentioning in the course of this conversation. It's 1220. Matt Hickam is my guest in the studio. Uh, Matt, do you have an online presence where people could find out more about your campaign? Absolutely. I have a Facebook page. If you search for Click for Hickam. And that is uh, the number four. So click for Hickam all together, no spaces on Facebook. You'll find my Facebook page. And that's where uh, certainly keep people up to date on events and things that I'll be attending. It's getting to be a busy time. Lots of things I'll be at here in the area mm -hmm. in the coming months. And there'll be a candidate forum hosted by the League of Women Voters of Jackson County coming up on September the 14th from 6.30 p.m. to 7.15 p.m. I believe this is a virtual event being held on Zoom, and it's being uh, streamed through the Carbondale Public Library's YouTube channel. So that's an opportunity to see what uh, Mr. Hickam and his uh, opponent, Annette Janes, uh, have to say. We'll take the first break of the day. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk a little bit about teacher shortages, bus driver shortages, and uh, school security. Text messages in on the TJ's Fine Jewelry and Repair text line, one of which says, why are the teachers' unions permitted so much influence on curriculum? Uh, and I never can't pronounce that word right. Uh, their focus should be limited to pay, benefits, and conditions of work for teachers. Another one says, why don't uh, they teach kids to sign like deaf mute for all kids in school? I think that would be great. And another text message comes in 
And it says, I wrote Matt a letter supporting his decisions during COVID. He deserves our uh, respect. Matt, any thoughts on any of those messages from the audience? Well, I mean, when it comes to the influence of, uh, you know, the teachers unions, uh, yeah, I would just hearken back to my government teaching days and, um, you know, teaching about the, the influence of special interest groups. I mean, there's strength in numbers, uh, and you know, that's a significant population of people. Anytime you're talking about curriculum, I mean, there's a lot of special interest groups that get involved with that. It isn't just the, the, the teacher unions. Uh, there's certainly, you know, companies that, that, uh, that do uh, standardized testing. That's a big business. Uh, your textbook companies, I mean, there's a lot of folks behind the scenes with uh, a lot of influence that, that you know, maybe in some cases uh, are having a significant impact on, on what curriculum may be out there or what standards uh, are written for people to follow. Well, I think the teachers' unions are the most public, obviously, in their advocacy, and that's where things spill out into the community. We had in Murfreesboro a couple of years ago a teacher's strike that lasted a few weeks, and um, those things get very contentious because, one, children are involved, and hence parents are involved. Um, and from my perspective as mayor of Murfreesboro, right, your union teachers make up a large section of your property taxpayers, of your retail sales taxpayers, because they've got a little bit disposable income in their pocket. And so it's been, you know, finding that balance is, is difficult. And in Illinois, oftentimes, because it's been a blue state overall, um, the balance has been shifted towards the unions well beyond where it is in other states. And that's not lost on you, me, or anybody else. And it's no offense right. to people who are union teachers either, because I know some of my best friends are union teachers. But, um, again, people are frustrated with the fact that in many places, kids are not graduating with the skills or whatever that they used to. And a lot of that ultimately falls back on parents. Kids are not being read to at home like they used to be. Uh, there's, there's a different, I'm going to say, level of education arriving at the doorstep of school districts today than there was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Basic skills are not there on day one. Would you agree with that? I would definitely agree. There's, there's an influence of, um, yeah, the, the, the home environment, certainly. Um, and then we talk about, you want to introduce just the additional distractions. You talk about technology and cell phones. You know, there's a lot of, lot of children who have a computer in their hands, um, you know, in the, in the form of a smartphone. And, um, I could talk at length about (laughs) my opinion on that. Uh, there's definitely a lot of potential negative influences of a parent just isn't in a kid's business. Uh, with great regularity with a smartphone, there's a lot of things that can happen that are not going to be a positive influence on a oh, child. Yeah. And, and smartphones are Pandora's box. They are. They are. There's no question. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the teacher shortage. Um, what's the reality of that? Well, I mean, to illustrate it, I would say, uh, you know, again, in the time of my career uh, as a 
starting off as a teacher, like I said, there was a surplus of me, uh, of, of high school social studies teachers, and a surplus of my wife. She's a PE teacher. Um, I mean, there weren't enough positions. To no, f- you had to hire yeah. a lobbyist 20 years ago to yeah. get a school and, and teaching job. When you posted, a, all you had to do was advertise in the local newspaper, and you're going to get dozens and dozens of quality applicants, especially if you're talking about an elementary position. That's not the case anymore. Um, and for us in our region, SIU, of course, is, is the key cog for local school districts. Uh, our districts have just depended on SIU to just churn out uh, new teachers for us. And as enrollment has declined at SIU, that means we've got less teacher applicants coming out. And so now, you know, we've gone from just, hey, advertise it and let the people come to you. Now we're going out and for our district, DuCoin, we're, we're attending teacher fairs and we're going to Murray State. We're going to Eastern Illinois, uh, Illinois State. We're trying to pull people down either that aren't from our area or we're hoping that one of our kids went away and we can draw them back. Uh, that's certainly another thing that we've seen happen, you know, is um, we, we've had a, and SIU is doing a great job now of, of recruiting local kids. I want to give them definitely uh, appropriate recognition for that. Uh, they are coming through now with scholarships and they're, they're, they've got a presence in our high schools now uh, where, you know, five years ago, let's say, they weren't really actively recruiting aggressively our local kids. Yeah, and and so I, they were going to SEMO and Murray State and having great experiences, and then if they go away, they're likely to stay where they they're going to stay, right? Yeah, and I have to give Chancellor Austin Lane some credit. You know the things that he's done, just to reach out. You know, memorandums of understanding. You know, don't have a lot of binding authority, but it's that relationship building that goes a long way. You talk about the shortages. Um, I was going to read this press release today. It's not, of course, it's not just teachers. IDOT is, I've never seen them do this before. Maybe they have it. I just missed it. They've got 2,536 temporary winter positions open. We're mm-hmm. talking about snow plowing jobs. Mm-hmm. There's uh, 167 of those jobs open in District 9, which is the Southern Illinois District. I posted a job recently. Uh, we're looking for a police officer in Murfreesboro. We're also looking for a dispatcher in the city of Murfreesboro. That's been out there a week. I haven't received a single application. Um, so this shortage, in when it comes to education, what does that really look like in the classroom? I mean, in district, in regional office of education thirty across these schools, are you? I assume it means more students per teacher i mean what else can it mean if you have unfilled positions yes and 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 we we have that in our district we had a special education position we were not able to fill it was going to be a new position so um we have that but i I can tell you i I sit on the uh the board of directors for tri-county special education and huge uh, staff shortage for tri-county special education and of course you're talking about a population of kids that they, they need good teachers and good paraprofessionals. And there are a lot of really good people that are doing that work, but we don't have enough. And so they, they've had to close down some programs, some classrooms, which means local districts have had to absorb those students into their existing programs, which everybody's doing the best they can, but it's, it's really not the best mm-hmm. situation. 
Um, you know, where that comes back, I think, to the regional office is just helping support districts uh, in their efforts to, to grow their own. Uh, a lot of our high schools now are starting programs within their high school uh, coursework where they're, they're creating a pathway for kids to go into education starting in high school. Um, obviously, you're hoping those kids are going to come back to your district or at least stay in the region down the road. So there is a concerted effort in our area to do that. Um, I think, you know, Southern Illinois across the board in, in every area, you know, is, is I think a pretty tight-knit region. There's a lot of great communication and collaboration that occurs between school administrators and teachers. So there is a support system here in place, and there's this, the regional office can certainly continue to be uh, something of a, of a glue to kind of hold those pieces together and build on that. Uh, I think that the experience that I've got uh, in the classroom and as an administrator lends itself well to helping um, grow our uh, uh, teacher supply in our region and continue to partner with, with SIU and Johnny Logan College and Rin Lake, you know, all of our local community colleges that are, that are doing what they can to help in that effort too. Matthew Hickam is my guest in the studio. We are uh, needing to take another break. It's 1237. You can send me a text message on the text line at 618-426-3308. That's the TJ's Fine Jewelry and Repair text line. All our interviews brought to you by Aaron's Auto Center. segment left with um, Matthew Hickam, who is running for Regional Superintendent of Schools. Been visiting with him today. All our interviews brought to you by Aaron's Auto Center. We'll be posting the audio of our conversation on the WXA and Facebook page shortly after the uh, program concludes. Uh, we want to talk about school security. We know that parents want to know that their kids are being sent to a school that's secure. I think at the same time, um, I remember as a kid writing a letter to the editor of the Southern Illinoisan saying that I didn't want school uniforms because I didn't want to go to school at a, what I called an academic sweatshop. And um, that, of course, you know, began my opinionated life. But uh, are the schools in this district secure, in your opinion? Uh let me let me throw a shout out here before I respond to this. I'm going to say hi to my my grandma Mary Careway. Uh, Hello, my, Mary. My beautiful grandmother. She's in the nursing home in in Ducoin. Uh, just moved in there here a few days ago, so I know she's listing. She's, Fair Acres. Uh, uh, Ducoin Rehab and Care. Oh, sure, so, yeah, yeah. She's she's a pretty avid listener to 103.9. So well, excellent. Yes, we'll send her so, a sticker in the mail. Yeah, please do, please do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, my experience within the schools, uh, you know, in this region are, are, are really going to be pretty limited. Uh, when I'm in a school outside of my district, it's attending an event. Um, but certainly, you know, every superintendent, principal, school safety, uh, you know, if you're worth your salt, school safety is on your mind every day. Mm -hmm. 
you know, that's just the world that we're living in. And that's, again, something else which has changed significantly uh, over the past 25 years. Um, you know, wh- where I think there's a great advantage in small schools, it's about the relationships that you have. Um, I see that on a daily basis in DuCoin. There's a lot of positive relationships between the teachers and the kids. Mm-hmm. And when you when you know the kids and you genuinely care about them, and in small towns you know the families, that goes a long way to having a, a safe school. That doesn't that doesn't protect us from anything horrible happening. We know that it's possible anywhere, but it does go a long way. Uh, where I think a small school can get in a dangerous place is taking that for granted and thinking, well, we're in small town America. We know everybody. It's not going to happen here. I don't have to worry about having this door locked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have to find that balance. Like you're saying, we don't, we don't want a school to, to feel like a prison. We want it to be a welcoming place to every single student and every parent that comes into that school. Um, so we have to find a balance between having a secure, physically secure facility where, yes, doors are locked and we're, we're mindful of who's coming in and out of the building. Um, but at the same time, it's a place where once you are inside, it's welcoming um, to those that are there. So it's, it's tough. It's, it's a balancing act. Uh, part of it is certainly the physical aspect of security, uh, and it's everybody's job. Um, you know, we know from some of the stories we've heard from some of these incidents that have occurred around the country, um, you know, uh, if somebody, you know, goes out for recess and takes their class outside that locked door, when they come back in, they got to make sure the door is locked. You know, those, those are little things now that we have to have in our minds. Um, but the other aspect of security is the is that social emotional component that we have good relationships that we are communicating with with kids and they they feel like they can trust an individual in the school uh, if they know something is wrong or they think that there is some kind of danger because that you know quite often when we find out something after the fact uh, it may have been a an, a student that maybe knew something right uh, there was suspicion and it just you know, it didn't make it to the right channels. So there's a lot of layers to it. And, um, again, I, I'm, I'm biased. I'm from this area. I love Southern Illinois and I certainly value the small school setting. Um, you know, a lot of our schools are in the hundreds. They're not in the thousands. And that leads to a lot more positive things going on. I think that's with the, the way our culture has gone, uh, in our country in general, I think the smaller school is a much better place for kids to be. Our guest today in the studio has been Matthew Hickam. There's going to be a Regional Superintendent of Schools Candidate Forum September the 14th, hosted by the Jackson County League of Women Voters and the Carbondale Public Library. Matt, do you have any other events coming up that uh, you want to share? Yeah, the one thing, uh, I'll mention a couple, but uh, coming up this Saturday, opportunity for a free cinnamon roll from uh, bun makers uh, by carter and company and murphy uh, christine and hines and i are, are hosting uh, a giveaway of 100 uh, cinnamon rolls saturday morning starting 100 at free cinnamon rolls yeah so kind of a meet and greet you can come out and and uh, chat with with myself or christine who's running for uh, judge uh, in this circuit and bun makers is located on old 13 between mm-hmm. carbondale and um, Murphy, uh, 
anybody that knows that stretch of road knows exactly where they are. They've got signage out by the highway that you can't can't miss, and uh, you could find them on Facebook as well. Yes. So looking forward to that. And uh, later on Saturday, I'll be heading down to uh, Olin to participate in the Cash River Days Parade. That starts at 11 in Olin. I'm sure our broadcast signal probably not making it down to Pulaski County. Not quite. Um, but certainly welcome all visitors down there. I'm looking forward to, to getting down there. And then, of course, I'll be around the Apple Festival next uh, next week. Have you got your chair out on Walnut Street yet? <laughs> don't I don't have a chair out. Um, but we'll be, uh, we'll be out and about during the parade, but prior to that, uh, we'll be, um, uh, uh, at a tent, uh, Republicans will have a tent set up and, uh, Terry Bryant will have a tent and we'll be in that vicinity and looking to, to meet some more people and spread the word, to click for Hickam for regional superintendent of schools. Very good. Well, Hey, thank you so much for joining me today in the studio. I appreciate it. Very much, and so thankful that um, your family member is joining us there. What was her name again? Mary Carraway. Mary Carraway. Glad that she was tuned in today as well. We'll take the last break of the day, and uh, we'll be back to wrap it up right after this.